what is the purpose of, of work, we see that anyone who is human is created in the image of God and that work is a God-given part of our identity. Um, and so to imply that, that some people might work outside the home or not work outside the home, I think is the wrong way of addressing the question. I think it's just it's a failing. Today's podcast is sponsored by my friends at Acts 29, and they have an exciting opportunity coming up that I'd like to tell you about. Acts 29 will host four advanced conferences this year. Advanced conferences are training and assessment events that bring together new and aspiring church planters, dynamic thinkers, and proven church planting practitioners. The next advanced conference is in Omaha, Nebraska, May 1st through 3rd, with other events in Dallas and Portland later this year. These events will include breakouts for a wide variety of church leaders, including women who are pastor's wives or ministry leaders. To learn more and register for one of these advanced conferences, visit acts29.com slash advance23. That's acts29.com slash advance23. Hello, friends. Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman. Today, I am so excited to have my friend Joanna Meyer on the episode. We are in the middle of Women's History Month, so we're taking some time to just dive a little more deeply into women's issues on each episode. And I knew I needed to have Joanna um, on one of these All Things episodes this month. So she actually lives here in the Denver area, as do I. So we are friends in real life. Um, But there is a lot that she has to say about this topic. So first of all, Joanna, welcome to All Things. Thanks, Jen. And before I sat down to prepare for our conversation, I thought about meeting you for the first time at a coffee shop in Parker and thinking, what an amazing woman. I hope I have more opportunities to be with her. So it's been such a gift to see how the growing friendship. Yes, yes. I love that God has allowed us to work in some of the same spaces. It's so good. Um, Okay, well, tell everybody just really quick a little bit about who you are, what you do here in Denver, what your life looks like. Yeah, so I'm a long-term Denverite. Uh, My current occupation is that I'm the Director of Public Engagement at the Denver Institute for Faith and Work, which is a nonprofit that serves people in Colorado, but also nationally, um, to help them think about how their work plays a vital role in God's broader work in the world. I host our podcast, I manage events, but I also um, founded a national initiative called Women Work and Calling, which is why I love that you and I are sisters in this conversation for guiding and empowering women. Yes. Okay. There is a lot there. I you have your hands full, uh, but let's let's start at just a theological, theoretical level. You work for the Denver Institute of Faith and Work. So right there, just the title of the institution that you work for, and then the initiative that you founded, Women Work and Calling. Mm-hmm. So often, I think um, in our minds and in our speech and in the way we go about everyday life, we kind of put things in their own compartment. We put them in their own box and then put them on the shelf. But what I hear you saying is that faith and work are not in separate boxes, that theology and our work life do not belong in separate compartments. Can you start us off with that, with that conversation? What, why do you integrate the two? Yeah, I think we've done a disservice to Christians everywhere by separating the two, because when you look from a theological perspective, when you look at scripture, you see that the Bible is the story about people working. Like I would challenge our listeners to sit down and start making a list of different occupations that come to mind in the Bible. And you see that some of the heroes of our faith were lawyers and shepherds and innkeepers and government officials. Tons of those Old Testament heroes were working in, in government, often foreign governments. And you start to see, oh, the context of God's amazing work played out through their influence that they had in the context of their jobs. Um, and so it's so important to see that. 
But even bigger picture, when you think about some of the core doctrines of the Christian faith, the idea that we're made in the image of God, that goes hand in hand with those early instructions in Genesis um, to be workers like God mm. is a worker. He, we, mm. he introduces himself to us as a creator and says, be like me. I'm going to make you in my image. And so we know from the get-go that we're made for work. And those early instructions to humankind of make something of the world, care for it, develop its potential, be fruitful, multiply, all that relates to the way that we engage the created world. It, it relates to our work, not just paycheck earning work, but productive engagement with what God's given us. And then if you look at the, the whole story of scripture of the death and resurrection of Christ, that he's saving individual lives, which is an amazing, miraculous thing, but he's also renewing all of creation that's been touched by sin. You realize, oh, like the title of your podcast, all things means all things. And so mm -hmm. every corner of creation is ripe for a person who follows Christ to be using godly influence in their corner of the world that God's entrusted to them. And so suddenly you go, oh, my work is a part of God's renewing and his kingdom work in the world. And then you think about the very end story of scripture of the story of humankind uh, joining God for eternity in a heavenly city. You see this vision of productive engagement in life with God, like it never stops. So work is one of those overarching themes of scripture. We just often have them in discipled one to see that theme or to know how to actually live it out in daily life. Yeah, you're kind of blowing my mind here because I definitely, before this conversation, understood that we were made for work. You know, I feel like I've spent a lot of time in Genesis 1 and 2 trying to understand, like, what are women for? Like, who are women? How did God make women? What's it, the unique calling of women? You know, those kinds of things. Um, and I know that we're made for work, but you just took us through Genesis to Revelation and showed <laughs> us the arc of work in all of Scripture. And I'm like, it's there. trying to ingest that. It is there. <laughs> It absolutely is there. We were created for productive work. Now you did say something you said, not necessarily paycheck work, yeah. but productive work. So when you use the word work, what do you mean? You know, I think we use it a little bit nebulously in the broadest sense. Work is how we spend our days in a productive way, engaging creation. It's how we live with God and for him in the world. So that's where it's very vague and nebulous. But if you think about children, they have daily work, right? Their work is to learn and to play. If mm. you're a retiree, you still have daily work. God has given you God-given gifts. He's given you relationships and an invitation to be part of his work in the world. And so even if you're not receiving a paycheck, like I think of my retired friend Ingrid, she defines her daily work as having a ministry of presence mm. and offering insight and encouragement to the people in her community. And so whether she's engaged in church work or engaged in her community, she was known as the mayor of Perry Street. That was the street she lived on in the Highlands. She had a vital investment in world in the world, and it didn't come in the form of a paycheck. Hmm. Why do you think we only think about our work in terms of a paycheck? You know, when I, I think of every every single social interaction, hi, my name is Jen, what do you do? You know, that's what we and what we mean when we say that is what do you get paid to do? <laughs> Why is that our perspective? You know, I think you could probably pick a few themes in our personal lives that are identifiers and quantifiable. Often it could be defined for women in particular by life stage. Hmm. Like I'm not a mom and it's amazing how many people, the first question they ask me is, so are you a mom? Like, do you have kids? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of go, wow, like 
is that the only framework with which to see a woman of my age? I think mm. another category is work. It's easy to hang our, hang our framework on, like, where do you spend the bulk of your waking hours? Mm. I do it at a job. Or help me understand, are you a person of significance? Are you a member of the state legislature? Or are you a lawyer? Or are you a street sweeper? You know, there's so many nuances that help us understand where a person fits in the social structure, how they spend their days. So that's just where we go to. Yeah. I'm kind of a party killer because I love asking people about their work. Because for me, yeah. I'm like diving deep and exploring all the nuances. They gain a new insight into their work just by talking to me. <laughs> I can imagine. I would I would bet that you kind of uh, rattle a few dinner tables out there, which I love. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's go a little bit deeper then into the conversation about women. Yeah. Why do you think it's useful? I mean, you founded this initiative, Women Work and Calling. You have a book coming out in the fall by the same title, Women Work and Calling. Why is it necessary to talk to women specifically about work or to tailor a conversation unique to women when it comes to work and calling? Yeah, that's such an important question. And I have had a front row seat in the last couple of weeks because I've had a couple speaking engagement with groups of women. And so I've been able to see their response, like what... What is their hunger to talk about work and how does it meet them when they are refreshed with a biblical perspective of work? But I think part of it is that there's a significant discipleship gap for Christian women that we have mm -hmm. defined prime. This is just my perspective, but I think we really have defined um, programming for Christian women around life stage and relational expressions of our calling as well as both good things of like deep understanding of scripture and devotional practices, things that really matter yeah. um, in our Christian life of faith. But what we're missing is the broader framework. I think of scripture study and knowledge of God isn't an end of in itself. It's to, it's to fuel relationship with him. It's to fuel mm -hmm. engagement with his purposes in the world. And so often we've focused on those, essential building blocks and we've missed the broader frame, which is kind of what you and I were describing, like, what is the story of God's purposes in the world? And as Christians, what does it look like to, to live with him and for him in that broader framework? The gap exists for women is that we so defined uh, the compartments of how we disciple women around those two areas of knowledge of God and our relational um, callings like marriage, motherhood, and friendship. Um, that we haven't discipled women for anything beyond that. And women mm -hmm. are in the workforce or they're not in the workforce and they're feeling guilty about not being in the workforce. There's a lot of emotion around this for many women because um, we haven't offered a proactive message that allows women to be good stewards of their own lives and opportunities and also to be gracious towards each other and how we think about the unique ways we're living out our calling. And so in the absence of that proactive biblical discipleship, culture speaks really loudly. And I often invite women to just sit and say, what is the unique story that you have um, formed about what it means to be a Christian woman? And understand what are the factors that have shaped the story that you live within? And each of our stories are unique um, and they are shaped by our family background, our life circumstances, our church or denominational history, where you grew up regionally, your level of giftedness and temperament, all of that goes into shaping who you think you are as a Christian woman. And it may not match a freeing, empowering, biblical vision of what God offers for women. Wow. Okay. You touched on so many things there. <laughs> um, 
two things that I maybe would love to unpack a little bit more. And let me just mention them both now so they don't slip away from my mind, but we can address one at a time. The first is that there is a void in the church in terms of discipling women when it comes to work, whether that is work in the home or work outside the home or whatever that looks like. Um, I cannot tell you how often I hear, especially from women who do have, you know, nine to five jobs that do have paycheck jobs. I cannot tell you how often I hear from them about like, what, where's my place in the church? Does the church value me? Um, Is my job valuable to the church? Is what I do important around here in the kingdom? Um, and the, and I, I think you're absolutely right. We've been very silent and the, and the world has spoken into it in harmful ways. Um, so I would love to talk about that a little bit more. Like why, why have we missed that as the church? And then the second thing you touched on was uh, that, or I mean, you touched on a million things, but the second thing that sort of sparked in my mind in terms of my experience in women's ministry is that we, we aren't very gracious with each other. No, I can remember back to my very first Bible study when I was, that I led, I was like, 20 years old. And there was already an argument amongst the 20 and 21 year olds about whether or not we were going to work outside the home or stay home. And there was already just strong feelings. And so why do we lack that grace for each other? Like, you know, I thought we were for each other. So I don't know, take one of those, whichever way you want to go with that. I would love to unpack that more. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I'm going to give you a very like nutshell thought on on history is that it's really important to understand what are the secular forces that have shaped the way we think about women's role in the world and and how has the church engaged with it sometimes as a faith community we've just spiritualized existing trends that were happening mm-hmm. in culture and mm-hmm. other times we have um reacted strongly against what we would see in culture. And the reaction isn't always a helpful one. You can often I see the church react to things of fear or concern with a strong swing the other way. And so a couple ways that I see that like in women's history is um, during industrialization, that was the first time in the human history. I mean, you just have to sit with that. That was the first time in human history that we really saw the work of men and women become separate with work in the private space, the home, and work in public through factories and the growing industrial processes that were changing the global economy. Um, and so we begin to see the separation. And, and often spiritual communities would put a moral value on the work of the home. We would say, like, it's important. It's a place of safety and moral guidance and steward, you know, stewarding the growth of these young kids, all really important and true things. But sometimes when you lay that moral overlay on top of it and saying, this is the more important work or women have a distinct influence in this area. It actually moves away from the biblical model where we see men and women laboring together, either through a home or through a trade for both the care of their families and the economic welfare of their communities and their, um, the care for their families. So, you know, you go back to the biblical model, you go, Oh, it's much more integrated of men and women doing a little bit of both. There probably were gendered expressions within that, but you saw much more collaboration with men and women. But when you see the industrial revolution happening, you see that split and you start seeing the home being prioritized for women and that moral value being placed on the work of the home. Um, and you start to see language like separate spheres of influence and that the woman's sphere of influence was on the home. And, you, you know, if you fast forward, 150, 200 years, you start seeing the American experience in the mid 20th century of um, the baby boom and the post-war generation where um, 
home was incredibly valued. It was also commercialized, you know, after two world wars and a depression, Mm -hmm. how lovely to come home and have a wonderful home. How lovely to have a Maytag washing machine at that lovely home. You know, so you saw the work of women in home commercialized and a lot of like cultural language around that. And so for people like my grandmother, that was the model of what a women's role was. Um, Whether or not that matched with the example we see in scripture, they see the 60s and 70s. Um, And you see the sexual revolution of women being able to control the number of children they had. Women were entering the workforce. Divorce numbers were rising. If you're a kid in the 80s, like I was, there was language like latchkey kids who came home from work or came home from school without their moms being in the home. And, oh, the dangers that could happen of kids alone in the house. Um, But you see the church reacting so strongly to that. Um, And I think it swung really hard the other way to take something that is a really good thing, homemaking and the work of the care and development of children is a beautiful and a good thing, but it's not the only thing. And mm. I think I can argue, you're, you're just sighing, I can watch you in our videos, you see, it's not the only thing, it's not a more important thing, it's a, it's a God-given expression of gifts and calling, but within that broad framework for women, we can make other choices um, and still be viewed as, making wise choices and having value. Mm. And so we've really struggled with that as a church to yeah, respond yeah. well in a, a biblical and an integrated and a gracious way. Man, I so appreciate that. I think, I hope every listener just rewinds really quick and listens to that because <laughs> I think, I think that sprint through history is so helpful. You know, we didn't come to these views and to this void out of nothing it has been um, building for a couple hundred years, as you say, and then just the moral layer that we've laid on top of it. Um, how much harm that has done. And uh, I just, and I, and I think some of the harm is in the way you see women, sisters fighting about this and judging one another. And even to your point about commodity, you know, commodifying um the, the, the life that's outside the home and the life that's inside the home and sort of shaping it and marketing it and making it look like this thing that you have to have and these things you have to do and purchase and be and just, you know, women are under tremendous pressure. And I wonder if that is not largely something we've sort of done to ourselves as we have followed maybe secular narratives and just kind of dropped the ball inside the church in terms of casting a vision for men and women on mission together, working together for the glory of God, building his kingdom inside the home, outside the home with our kids, you know, or not like just the grace that I I've heard you express is so, so helpful. And the history is so. Yeah. And, you know, in, in the last 20 years, we've been wrestling with that question of can women have it all? And you've had folks like Cheryl Sandberg Presenting a specific model of what it looks like, I'd argue it's not practical for most women unless you're affluent white executive with a bill of, you know, significant help outside the home. It's really hard to embrace that lifestyle. But we're still wrestling with those questions of what does it look like to live an integrated life mm. where all of the responsibilities that encompass our broad call to follow Christ, what does it look like to bring them together? And what does it look like for women and men to co-labor in a healthy way? I've been so excited to see conversations happening through um a book called Fair Play. It's a secular book, but it talks about, is there a better way to talk about how we're juggling our different responsibilities that's more clear-eyed mm. and less com- combustible um, between men and women? So I think there's a lot of room to grow. I would love to see the church be leaders in that type of conversation yeah. that can celebrate the diversity of ways that men and women serve and 
promotes better conversations on stewarding our lives. Yeah, I would love to check that book out. Fair play. I'll link that in the show notes too for any listener that's curious. And there's a documentary on Amazon too. And you know, it's a secular book, so you're not going to find biblical principles in there, but Mm -hmm. I think there are practical tools that you could begin to think through from a biblical perspective too. Mm, That's good. Okay. So you, I know you've spent um, the last few weeks, especially talking to women. I mean, that's your job. Like, like you do, that's your calling. That's your passion. Women work and calling, right? But you've spoken to some crowds of women, especially recently. What are women bearing as burdens right now when it comes to this conversation? What are in 2023, um, the COVID pandemic recently hit, we're kind of in a recession maybe right now. Um, I don't know. It feels like life is in flux at post pandemic. Um, I feel that, you know, just like, what, what are we doing? What's going on? What's the new normal? Um, what do you see from women around the country? What are they balancing? What are they bearing? I think the broad overarching question is how do we integrate the various roles and responsibilities that we have in life and that we value deeply. And so Mm -hmm. The pandemic really showed us that there are some broken areas of our systems related to women and work. And, you know, I think these tensions actually apply to men and women alike. It's just because um, because women have often carried a slightly heavier aspect of the the caretaking load Mm -hmm. or the home kind of project management roles that we feel it. But really, this is a question that both men men and women will have to ask going forward. And it starts with... um, can you be both a worker and someone who has caretaking responsibilities outside of your day-to-day job? Um, and mm-hmm. in COVID, we saw that breakdown where women who, any woman was feeling pressure, who, who was trying to juggle her work responsibilities coming back into the household because of lockdowns, but also women who were lower wage earning were continuing to go, go to work because they were often in what we labeled those essential jobs. And when schools mm. were no longer available to provide free or low cost daycare just by being open when schools shut, all of a sudden it was just physically impossible for women to work. And we, you saw, oh, our systems aren't working. Um, and even now, as we see women trying to juggle the super high cost of childcare and the reality of work outside the home, you realize like, oh, this isn't, this just isn't set up to support people. And men, you know, men have kids that need taken care of too. Um, but you see some gaps in the system. I also think we're seeing women get a taste of flexible work arrangements. That's the biggest thing. As I talk to women who are in more senior roles um, in corporate life, the thing that they needed to make life work was flexible schedules so that Mm. they could be working early or be working late and have time to run a kid to a doctor appointment in the middle of the day. Flexible scheduling is key. And we got a taste of that in the pandemic. People proved that they could effectively work from home. That could be a major win for women um, because that old stereotype of a good worker is somebody that is has her butt in a seat 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. We've shown that that isn't the case, that people mm-hmm. can be wonderfully engaged, productive employees with some measure of independence and flexibility in their schedule. So that could be a win long term for any employee, but especially for women. Um, but we still need to figure out what that looks like. And so mm. we saw the tension of systems that don't work, uh, the increasing cost of childcare, and how we're struggling to find a good balance of, of work and caretaking. But I also think that's driving decisions that ma- women are making to stay in, or not stay in jobs. Like you're starting mm. to see uh, significant numbers of female leaders leaving traditional forms of work because they want greater flexibility. They're not willing mm-hmm. to put up with, with work styles the way it used to be pre-pandemic. So 
lots of things are in flux, but we could see some really positive change. And, you know, one thing that encourages me significantly is that we saw federal legislation passed this year that um, provides more options for paid family leave for anyone um, who has caretaking responsibilities. And that was wonderful. And people, our listeners may not know that, but Christians were heavily involved behind the scenes to advocate for that through groups like the Center for Public Justice and their Families Valued Initiative. So that's a really loving thing that we can do as a church is to be wrestling with these questions because they affect anybody who has caretaking responsibilities. Yeah. Can you help us think through that legislation a little bit? I mean, not necessarily the nuts and bolts of it specifically, but I do... I do sense a divide in the church about things like that. Mm -hmm. It seems like there is a perspective that is like, no, there should not be paid family leave. It's not good for the economy. Businesses aren't um, responsible for bearing that burden for families. You know, she shouldn't be working. She should be in the home. I see that perspective in the church. And then I also see a perspective in the church that's like, no, this is pro-family. This is pro-community. This is going to help, um, for example, the woman who has an unexpected pregnancy keep the baby because she'll be able to keep her job because she'll have that paid leave and then be able to go back into the workforce. Um, This will help especially women on the margins. You know, I just, I do see not even just in paid family leave, but whenever it comes to something that's going to be legislated in this sphere, it seems like the church has two camps, um, help us think about what is helpful or hurtful in both camps or how we can think about it in a way we're not thinking about it right now. Yeah, that is a good question. Um, because I have a friend that, uh, is more conservative politically than I am. And she's, she gets in there with me. She says, Joanna, like paid family leave doesn't help people. It just mm-hmm. burdens their economy. So, so I can see the tension around that. I think I would, um, step back and say, if we take kind of our partisan hats off, what does it mean to be a Christian and engage this issue? I think also it's important to say how much of my perspective on this issue has been shaped by my circumstances in life. And and I'll touch on that in a second. But I think if you step back and look at like, what is the purpose of, of work? We see that anyone who is human is created in the image of God and that work is a God-given part of our identity. Um, and so to imply that that some people might work outside the home or not work outside the home, I think is the wrong way of addressing the question. I think it's just to say like all of us have economic needs um, and do the does the vision of what we're presenting actually function today in daily life? Um, and this mm. is where questions of class and race really come in because I think for a long time, this vision of a two-parent family where one parent stays at home it's a, it's a good and viable option um, as we think of stewarding our lives. It, it can be a great fit for some, but it's not a fit for all. It really is reflective of people who have the economic means for one person to be staying at home. And yeah. I, I honestly, I mean, from looking at it, I just look at it and I go, I think it's, I think it's a pretty white perspective and I think it's a very middle class perspective. Um, yeah. And so not to have conversations of how we support a worker in their caretaking responsibility, I think I think it's negligent. The solution doesn't have to be in legislation, but we need some kind of solution. And um, that's what I appreciated about the Families Valued Initiative through Center for Public Justice is because they, they looked at low wage earning workers, both men and women. And the reality is 
if you don't have any kind of maternity leave or you don't have any kind of vacation built into your job, that's that comes with a job of, of um, a certain status of type of job to have that. If you're working at fast food, if you're working in service industry, you may not have those opportunities afforded to you. So you could be on your feet working within a week or two of giving birth. And just think about what that does for a woman. Yeah. And so I think as, a, yeah. as Christians, we have to just step back and say, what does human flourishing look like? Is work, mm. and we acknowledge that work needs to go hand in hand with caretaking for in, for almost anyone. Um, and what does it look like to create the kind of environment where people can work and care for their family? And it's not just for people having babies. It's, it's people who have aging parents. Yeah. A lot of friends in my age group are starting to have aging parents and feeling the weight of what does it look like to care with a family member uh, for a family member with dignity. And that affects your ability to show up 40 hours a week on the job. And so mm. whether it's a legislative solution or not, we've reached a point that to be treating people like they're human and to have a godly vision of work means acknowledging this integrated vision of both caretaking and work outside the home. Mm. Gosh, that is so helpful, Joanna. Thank you so much for just opening our eyes to this. I feel like you've given me a lot to think about and just kind of fresh eyes for it. The question being, you know, how do we, how do we provide for both caretaking and productive work that might be outside the home? How do we have that integrated life? Because honestly, in community, we're all called to both. There's nobody who is so isolated that there's not a place for them to be caring for another human being. Um, and we all do need to be involved in productive work in some way. And of course, economically as well. And so I just appreciate this integrated vision. There's no easy answers. Are there what give us, leave us with just maybe some, something, um, gospel oriented, some hope, a nugget of like, yes, okay, that conversation blew my mind. I don't really know what I think about legislation anymore, <laughs> or women working in various spaces. But here is the truth of the gospel or the truth of God's word that I can take away from this conversation and at least continue imagining what Joanna's talking about. You know, the tagline for our women work and calling initiative is the world needs who God made you to be. And I love that, the idea that um, as Christian women, we have unique giftedness, and we also have been entrusted with distinct spheres of influence, um, relationships, things to steward. And so the daily question for us is, what does it look like to steward what God has given me? And I think that question of stewardship allows, it's very expansive. Any conversation that we have about women and work has to be expansive because it has to have room for all of us in it. Um, and so it becomes a question of what is the wisest use um, and stewardship of what God has given me. And that tends to ebb and flow throughout our lives. You will never hear me saying this is the formula of what it looks like to be a Christian woman. I think that helps reduce conversations that make us feel judged or cause us to be ungracious towards other women is to realize like, hey, the best stewardship of her life and situation might be something that's completely different than my own. Um, I think there's also a question of discipleship is that as you think about stewarding and developing your life, how does God want to meet you in it? Those two, those two words, stewardship and discipleship just go hand in hand to me is that this is not an easy life. I often think I am inviting women into something that's a lot messier and harder, but it's beautiful because it puts us in a place of dependency on the Lord of saying, 
God, how do you want to meet me? And that might be in the form of going back to work into a really, really big, meaty job. I had a friend who did that. As she and her husband looked at their two career situations, they decided it made more sense for her to go back to work. And now he's a stay-at-home homeschooling dad. And if you want to talk about that, like blowing categories of around gender and work, it does. And so for them, the question of discipleship is related to how do we deal with these these um, feelings of being judged by our community for this decision as a man? How does he find his identity in a very different role than the men around him have? On the other end of the spectrum, I think of a friend who stepped away from a significant job as a magazine editor to focus more significantly on family and, and her aging parents' health. And she said it's really hard to show up um, to parties or for coffee with her old professional friends because her life doesn't feel as shiny as it used to. And I think both of those are examples where God disciples us in the changing circumstances and both the the push and the pull and the tensions around balancing and integrating the various expressions of our calling. And so all of us can live in that tension and see the Lord work in our lives through that. Yeah. That tagline, I'm going to be chewing on that. The world needs who God made you to be. I love that. Mm -hmm. Thanks for leaving us with that, Joanna. Thanks for being on all things. Such a gift. Thanks for asking me. And thank you everybody for tuning into All Things This Week. I hope this conversation has been really helpful to you. There will be plenty of links in the show notes to the things that Joanna and I have been talking about. Looking forward to hearing from you next week. Thanks for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at current events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now.